0: Thank you for that, Andrew. Hello, everyone. I stopped myself twice already from saying good morning, so uh, I'm sure I'll miss at some point and say good morning, even though I know it is actually 4.15, 4.20 in the afternoon, so we'll all get used to that eventually. Um, I'm glad you guys are here. I'm going to have a full house today, and I know uh, a lot of you have been looking forward to being here, and we're glad you made it. A couple things. uh, We're still working on some... Challenges here obviously, Uh, thank you to Brittany for your hard work on the slides, Uh, she was paying super close attention and advancing everyone perfectly, I was standing right behind her so I was able to sing along because the wireless connection between what she's doing and what's on the screen has a bit of a lag. And uh, so I know that can be frustrating at times, um, but uh, we are aware and we are continuing to work on it. It was no fault of any person and I just wanted to say she's doing a great job. And uh, just, uh, yeah, it's very frustrating back there when you're you're responsible and you feel like all eyes are on you, right? So in case they weren't, now they are. (laughs) But in a good way. So uh, um, anyway, so yeah, I'm excited to be here and uh, we're going to continue studying um, in the book of Luke. Um, We're still in chapter 1, so if you haven't been with us before, you're not far behind. Um, We just had a couple of uh, lessons introducing it. It is a long chapter, so we'll probably be here for another week um, at least. But so far we have seen Luke describe his undertaking in writing this. Um, It's technically not the gospel of Luke, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Luke, right? And uh, so we talked about he uh, went and investigated. He wasn't actually one of the disciples or anything. Of course, he went and investigated and... uh, to kind of a scientific approach, he being a doctor, and assemble it um, testimony, and assembling into this uh, gospel that he wrote. Um, we saw how the Gabriel, angel Gabriel um, really took center stage as he um, took the message of John the Baptist's miraculous birth to Zechariah, and then we saw him take the message again. I guess while he was in the neighborhood, to uh, Mary about the, her impending birth of Jesus Christ. And so today, we will look at the events following uh, Mary's uh, receipt of that um, news and uh, see how she kind of responded. So I hope this will be a blessing for us all. Uh, it's a lot to cover, um, but I think that it will be, uh, it certainly blessed me as I study, and I hope it will for you as well. Um, I know some folks are trying to find seats. We have all the front rows available. Um, if uh, So it's sort of like a, you go to a sports game, and you buy the cheap seats. Well, y'all don't, but I usually buy the cheap seats. And then at halftime or whatever, if nobody, we just kind of go get our popcorn and come back, and uh, yeah, OK, we'll sit down the front row. So there are front row seats. You don't have to have a ticket. You can just come on up. If you don't have enough room for you ER, yard. feel free. I promise this is not the Shamu area where you will get wet here. I promise I won't do that. Um, but uh, we're glad you're here. So um, let's go ahead and uh, just dive right in. Um, I was going to, typically was going to have us read the whole thing. I'll have the words up here, but because of the challenge with the slides, I'll probably just read the scripture when we get to that point. Um, But as we approach the passage today, I wonder how many of you this week or maybe this year, we're only a couple weeks into this year, have had some good news. I'm not going to ask you to share unless you want to, but has anybody had any good news happen Okay, a few people. Anybody want to share? I want to give a testimony or something good that's happened in the last week or year. Anybody? Alexa, what would you like to share? Um,
1: this week between school and work, I was able
0: to um, have a foster home. i well, praise God for that. Yeah. Uh, anybody else? Andrew? You got a lot of good work needs. Uh Good things going well at work for you? Very good. I'm excited about that. I have a sort of a vested interest in that. <laughs> we do work together, for those of you who don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been good. Um, Jim, I saw you raise your hand. Yes. You something good happen this year? There's a lot of things. Like... Can you just pick one? Um,
1: I got a raise and a car. Take
0: them? A raise and a car. A raise and a car. That <laughs> sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And normally when we get good news, what do you want to do with it? We want to tell people, right? Yeah. And um, how many of you guys, those things, have you told other people before today, before right now, that you had told that to? You told? You told people? Yeah? You, yeah, right. Of course, we love to tell good news, right? Um, just by show of hands, anybody had any bad news this year, this last week or last year? One person? Nobody else? You don't want to admit to it, right? All right. So, theoretically. If you look back in the history of your life. Maybe you had a bad news one time. What'd you do with that? Right? Did uh, were you on the phone telling everybody? Reposting it, hey, this is a horrible thing that happened to me. No. No. We are not tell anybody. We might tell one or two people who are really close to us. All right? But we're certainly not going to be broadcasting for everyone to to hear. We, we don't want to dwell on it in that way. Um Interesting thing, Mary kind of received a good news, bad news situation, and we talked about that more in detail last week. Um, We always focus on the good. As we saw last week, there were some challenges to that, those events that were coming in her life. She wasn't married. She was going to have a baby in a small town where there's not a lot of distractions. There was going to be talk. There was going to be scorn, condemnation. There was going to be a, a challenge for her, for her baby. Um, for, her, for her family moving forward, there was there was going to be some of that. Obviously, it was good news. She was highly favored. Obviously, um, God was fulfilling really His most significant promise to mankind through her. So it was a good news, of course, but it was a, a challenging situation. Um, so as we remember, as we read these verses, I just wanted to, to couch it in that way. First, remember we're going to talk about two ladies, Elizabeth and Mary. Remember, these are real people. It could have been like Alexa and Caleb, okay? It could have been any two people in this room potentially. These are real people that really happened. all right? So let's don't think, let's take off our church ears and think, oh, yeah, that's a bad. I've read that verse source before. And let's hear it like, wow, what if that was me. what is was my sister, my daughter, you know. So I want us to hear it in, in that context and remember that these, these are real people. These are real events that took place. And uh, I would just invite you to stand um, for respect to the reading of the word. And uh, if you have your Bible, um, read chapter 1, and we're we'll going to be reading verses 39 through 56. The Bible says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Our Father in heaven, as we come to you this morning, this afternoon, I'm um, looking into your word, Father, just uh, we are thankful for the message that is relayed here, for the encouragement that it is, and so we just ask that as we study that you would speak through me, that uh, you would give us hearts and ears to listen and to hear and to obey, Lord, and uh, would you show us any areas that we are falling short and need to come closer? There are those who do not know you in a, a way of salvation today. You would draw them to yourself and convince them of their need for you and that they're your love for them. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, today's message is going to be entitled An Exceptionally Encouraging ac- Encounter. You remember last week? It was. Anybody remember last week? I'm sure you don't. It was another triple iteration. No. A most
1: miraculous message. Most
0: miraculous message, y'all got there, yes. Okay, so I'm not going to do this the whole series. I wasn't trying to do it, but uh, it jumped out at me. I'm like, yeah, we can do it two in a row. I'll just see how long this trend continues. Um, But I'm not trying to be cheeky. It just sort of really fit with the message today. So here we go. There's a lot to unpack in these verses. And um, again, there's some really famous sections here that have been recognized as significant by the church forever. Um, but I want us to look at it a little differently today. I really want us to look at it through this lens of the encounter between Elizabeth and Mary. So I'm going to take them in kind of isolation, but I want us to kind of look at it in and, and, and the scope, combine these two. A lot of, you know, if you look at sermon series on Luke, sometimes they'll break these up into two separate sermons. We thought about doing that. I want to just put them together, though, because I think oh, this is really going to be encouraging for us. Our current push to um, uh, continue to live out the Great Commission and going and seeking to have gospel encounters, I think this is a great model for us, and so I pray that God will really teach us some things through this. Right off the bat, we see here that Mary goes to Elizabeth. Now, that certainly doesn't seem out of the ordinary or strange or anything to us. Um, We go visit people all the time, right? Right? probably a little more production back then, right? Because they walked, most likely. And they might have had a mule or something to ride, but probably they walked. And it probably was going to be an all-day affair, maybe a multi-day affair, probably a, a, an all-day affair. And what precipitated this? We just learned. What happened right before this? It says she went with haste into the hill country in a town of Judah, Judah to see Elizabeth. What had happened right before that? the angel came and told her, you're going to have a baby. You're going to, you're going to be the, the mother of Jesus. Right? And her response is, quickly, with haste, to go see Elizabeth. Now the angel told her, hey, Elizabeth's having a baby too, and it's, um, it's not exactly normal either. Um, but wh- why did she do that? Now we don't see anything about, you know, in conversation with her parents, conversation with Joseph, to whom she was betrothed, engaged, as we would say. Um, maybe those conversations happened, maybe they didn't, but the focal point is that, quickly, she went off to go see Elizabeth, and so why? What do you think? What do you think might have been going on in her mind at this point? Well, oh, it's just us. We can talk. What? Want tell her? Neil, want to tell her? she has got some good news. Want to tell her? Right? What else? Advice, comfort. Just yeah. Advice, comfort. Obviously, she's older. Mm-hmm. Um, it's even though um, I think they're cousins. Um, so he probably had more of an aunt, or maybe even grandmother relationship with Elizabeth, because Elizabeth is, is past menopause. He's too old to have kids, okay? And Mary's a teenager, so it was probably, you know, quite an age gap. So certainly for advice. Um, what else do you think was going on in her mind? We're just talking, we're just theorizing. It. I'm it's not the going to say. anything. town. Maybe getting out of town. Out of town. town. Yeah, <laughs> not, not being right in this small town, having to think of all this while it starts going on. She may want to get away from it all for a little bit. Yeah, I think all these are, are probably good. Um, you know, a, a safe space, the anxiety, the, the fear. You know, I think if, if I had this sort of news, I was, who, who's going to believe her? Somebody that knew her. Maybe. Someone had the same experience. Somebody's had the same experience. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody else who's had a supernatural pregnancy. You know, if anybody's going to believe me, it's probably going to be Elizabeth. You know, I don't know who else might believe. I mean, they believe I'm pregnant, you know, but that's going to be pretty obvious. But who else is going to believe this story of the angel and everything like that? Maybe somebody else who had an angel come to them or to their husband. Um, so, for, for whatever these reasons are, again, we're just kind of theorizing. But I, I wanted to pause here just for a second because what we, what I'm pretty sure she went there for was she knew that she would be understood. She knew that she would be loved. So to Adele's point, and that she knew that it would be a safe place for her to, to share this news. It was good news, she wanted to tell them, but she didn't want to put it out for the whole town because there were some you know, questionable aspects to this good news. So understanding, love, safety. Is that the kind of atmosphere we create in our relationships? For people who have maybe bad news, maybe mixed news? Do they feel like they can come to you, to the church? Is this a place where people can come? Do we work to foster the atmosphere? Do we promote that atmosphere? That hey, you know whatever comes, good, bad or ugly, I want to go through it with you. Church, listen. If we're doing anything, we've got to have that kind of atmosphere. We have got to encourage that. We got to. We got to let people know. Listen, you know, yeah, there may be stuff to work out. There may be things we got to figure out along the way. But if, if you're in a place and you've got news and you're going, this is a place where we want you to come. This is a place where people care about each other, where we don't shoot our wounded. You know so to speak that we help our people through situations and that's what we want to be to that point um one specific way we want to do that is through our partnership with love life jerry's wearing the shirt he got the memo nobody else did i guess but uh, just kidding i didn't send one out but uh glad he's wearing it uh, oh sorry Tabitha got the memo too all right uh uh so through our partnership with them not only do we sponsor a week but we've also gone a step further and identified ourselves as a house of refuge church. Have we all heard that term? I think I mentioned it a couple months ago. So should we get a lot of nods? Great. So I just want to read this statement from them again just to put that out there. I don't know who's tuning in today, um, but I just want to you know declare that Convergence Church aspires to be and is a house of refuge. And this applies to everyone in this church, people that you may know, anybody that would need a place of refuge specifically from an unexpected, or in an unexpected pregnancy. Here's what we believe regarding that. If you find yourself in an unplanned pregnancy, please know, being pregnant is not a sin. We don't see it that way. The child that you carry is not a punishment. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's not a punishment. It is a blessing. Amen. God is knitting this child in your womb. Now, You may have made a sinful decision that led to this pregnancy, or you may have even been sinned against, okay? But we want you to know that you are loved, and we will do whatever it takes to help you carry and care for this precious child before and after birth. We can never support or encourage a woman to have an abortion because the child you carry is made in the image of God and is intrinsically valuable and loved by God. But you need to know how we will respond. Here's what we won't do. This church family will not gossip about you, shame you, or abandon you. This is a house of refuge. We will not allow for the family of God to harm one another with words or actions contrary to the love of God as revealed in His Word. Amen?
1: Yeah.
0: Here's what we will do we will do everything in our power to remove whatever obstacles stand in the way of you having this child. There are people in this church ready to mentor you, throw you a baby shower. Connect, we'll connect you to resources resources inside and outside of our church. We will also hold men accountable for living out their calling to provide and protect for women and children. Finally, if you're, if, you've, if you're listening to me and you've ever had an abortion in your past, we want you to know that abortion is not an unforgivable sin. Whoever confesses and forsakes their sin finds mercy. If you've never gone through a post-abortion Bible study, we'd be happy to connect you to one so that you can walk complete healing and freedom. I hope everyone else can affirm that with a hearty amen. People in our city who need to hear that. There's people that you know that probably need to hear that. We're going to go around and probably make t-shirts or anything like that, and we should, but we need to be walking our daily life fostering the attitude of love, care, concern okay, and so through that people should know that they can come to you and come to us the second thing about this is you know if, if you in the relationship you're in we need to encourage these types of relationships like Mary and Elizabeth had you know if you have a child you should encourage them to be fostering and growing and strengthening godly relationships so when they have news they may not want to come to mom and dad who are going to give them the stern talking to first. They may want to go to someone else. We need to encourage them to have relationships that are godly. That if they do do go and talk to them, they're going to encourage them in the way of of things in the biblical direction and not distract them or pull them away or pull them down into um, wrong choices. Are we working to establish and promote those godly relationships and help them grow? And then are you building those kind of relationships? Are you seeking relationships with other people? That, are, that would um, foster and grow that it would encourage you in that way. Obviously, our church, we try to make space for that. You know, through our um, you know, three times a week that we encourage people to get together at different levels. This corporate gathering, of course, is the, the broadest. But once a month, we do have a fellowship meal our um, midweek gatherings on Wednesdays where we come together and, you know, and strengthen those relationships, and then our biweekly um, men, ladies and men's groups where we come together for specific um, work of the gospel. So I want to avail- encourage you to avail yourself of all those things, and even outside that, um, you know, as we've shifted you know, to a unified um, you know, Great Commission group, you know, we need to be reaching out to each other and encouraging each other throughout the week and spending time with each other when we're able. Um, I know we're a little more spread out, but uh, you know you can still treat your old MC in the same way and still find time to get together with them, and we would encourage you to do that. Those relationships are valuable. Say, well, I, I'm I'm doing okay right now I don't need right now. I don't know what's coming, but that something's coming that one of you are gonna somebody in this room is gonna need somebody. And if you don't have any relationship, then it's gonna be really hard for them to, to lean for us to lean on each other in those circumstances. So you've got to foster those things in the good times so that they're strong in the lean times, right? All right, so as we look uh, more detail into this exceptionally encouraging encounter, um, really, we look at it, we see that Elizabeth accepted Mary. Look, at, look from Elizabeth's perspective, and then we'll look at it from Mary's perspective. From Elizabeth's perspective, she accepted Mary and celebrated her. We see no hint of any sort of the doubt that we saw in Zachariah, Remember when the angel came? He was like, "What? Say what?" And what happened to him? He was mute He was silenced for the next nine months, give mm-hmm. or take, until the baby was born. He was struck mute, and he was kind of in the middle of a, a big deal, being like me, saying, "All right, here, um, I'm going to take a break, take a drink of my water, and then I drink my water down, and then I suddenly can't speak." He went inside the temple. All the people were gathered, and he comes back out, and it's like, uh, you know, he's, he's supposed to carry on the rest of the service in front of the whole place and he was like uh somebody's gonna step in here um he couldn't really text anybody you know but uh no hint of that code of doubt elizabeth accepts what mary told her believes her there's no talk of any sort of contingency plan like with joseph um you know i I mentioned when I i spoke on this before that you know many people if mary were in a situation today many people would be advising her listen let's just figure this out you know Abortion centers right down the street, Planned Parenthood, they can take care of all this. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? But that's the reality that we live in today, that people find themselves Unexpected pregnancy. oh, well, we'll just take care of that. We don't have to worry about it. Murdering a baby. That's the world they live in. But nothing, no, no hint of any sort of contingency plan. Even Joseph, when he heard, he had a contingency plan. Well, I'll just put her away quietly, make, don't make a big deal about it. You know, He was thinking, well, how do we, how do we fix this? Elizabeth's just like, I mean, her lover, she exclaims loudly, you are so blessed. She accepts and she celebrates what's happening. Again, I'm sure that over the next, you know, three months they're Together, that they work through a lot of those details, a lot of those you know, things, you know, how's this going to work and, hey, I don't know, we'll figure it out. But, you know, initially, when Mary was looking for someone to share the news with, Elizabeth was accepting and celebrating, uh, finding those good things. Um. Verse 42, she affirms, Mary, you are blessed. You know, this, this. I know that there's some stuff to sort out to work through. I know this isn't exactly how you drew it up, but you are highly favored um, of God. That's what the angel said, and I believe it. Let's don't forget that. And she encourages her, points her eyes back to God and to the blessing that he has bestowed on her. Second, it says your baby is blessed, the fruit of your womb. You know, again, this, nobody would have drawn it up this way, but this baby's a miracle, twice over a miracle. Certainly a joy, a gift from God, uh, but just because it's a baby. But it is the Savior of the world, doubly over all those things. And she just celebrates that again. And then she goes and says, "Listen, not just are you and your baby blessed, but I'm blessed to be here. I'm blessed that you came to me, and I'm glad that you shared this with me." Again, just I mean, just I as I read over this and over this, I just I just felt the joy. From Elizabeth in her expressions that she just can't talk, stop talking about all the good things that she's seeing with this. Um, I'm I'm glad you shared with me. I'm excited for you. And then your faith is blessed, and you know faith is worthy of celebrating. You know, and that's something for us to remember that if we're followers of Jesus, don't we can't ever take that for granted. You know, it's something that we should interact with people in a joyful manner, and when we have interactions at an appropriate time. We should highlight that remind each other of that you know we are so blessed to be Christians there are people in the world who in fact I met somebody yesterday born and raised five minutes from here still lives five minutes from here we shared the gospel with him he said he'd never heard the gospel before shared a simple outline of the gospel have you ever heard that no I've never heard that before five minutes from here 19 years old Church, we've got a lot got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of work to do we do not have to go across the world to, to find people who never heard. People we'll be right across the street. So let's not forget what we have in Jesus. Let's not forget this message that was, that was initially proclaimed here. And now we have received here so many thousands of years later. It's still true. And so as we set a goal to start being more consistently pursuing the Great Commission and going out, that's why. Because there's people right here in Charlotte who've never heard. And that's why. Not just because, oh, well, we got to do it. Jesus said it. We better do it or we'll get in trouble. That's not why. Okay? It's because this is joyous news. This is good news. And we want to be telling people good news let's don't forget that it is that sometimes we just get complacent i know we get busy with other things i mean i'm as guilty as anybody but this is good news and as mary wanted to share it and elizabeth received it that should be our attitude for all these things a couple things i want to mention i kind of went through these verses in a a thematic way i want to come back and hit a couple of um, specific statements that the god that the bible makes here just to avoid confusion after she hears before Elizabeth responds the Bible says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit now remember this is the New Testament Luke but all of the interaction of people God have with people primarily was still under the Old Testament covenant okay there was no indwelling of the Spirit the way there is in the New Testament after the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus so in the Old Testament we see phrases like filled with the Holy Spirit the Spirit came upon um, and so it was sort of this uh, temporary things—the presence of those spirits sort of come and go at different times. Anybody remember hearing that in the Old Testament? Any particular person, or you'd like to share? Anybody have one they like? Oh yeah, I remember hearing that in this scenario. Anybody? I know that was the most common. When I first thought of was Samson. You know, the spirit would come upon him. I don't think Samson was a big. Well, he wasn't you know big and muscular like me. I mean, he was. I mean, like a Arnold Schwarzenegger or somebody like that. He wasn't. You know, I don't think he was a muscle man. I think he was very average, about like me. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and then he would have this you know, superhuman strength, this superman, you know, but then it would leave, you know. Um, we also see it for prophets. Samuel at times, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samuel, and he prophesied. And so this was a, uh, a, um, a specific uh, action by the Holy Spirit sent by God that was for a specific divine purpose. And so when those things would take place, we knew that God was working in a special way through that individual for a specific moment in time. Um, the point of that is that what he says after that has special weight and authority Um, sometimes when you're studying narrative you have to look at when someone's quoted we have to sort of decide okay so is what they're saying directly from God that we should take as gospel and do or is simply it quoted accurately and we need to take it with a grain of salt there are things that people have said that we should not follow but they are true, and that they actually said them. Elizabeth's statements here are recorded accurately by Luke, but they go beyond that because she said them, and the gospel makes it clear she was filled with the Holy Spirit when she said them. Okay, so her statements here, um, extra weight. It's not simply Luke accurate recording conversation, but these words go beyond that, so that what they have to say actually are have an element of inspiration to them, if I can say it that way. The reason I say that is because the other statement that seems to um, confound people a little bit is in verse 41 and verse 44 particularly, where she says, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped. And verse 44 says, leaped for joy. Okay? Now, some people want to downplay this. And they'll say, "She never been pregnant before. Maybe baby was just kicking. That's all it was. It was just kicking She attributed some sort of other thing to it. okay. But the Bible says that through the power of the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth attested that the baby leaped for joy when she heard about the birth of Jesus. Now, do we believe the Bible or do we not believe the Bible? We
1: believe
0: believe the Bible. So, we don't know the details about baby John reacting. I, I don't know exactly What that means, you know, how cognizant he was. Uh, We're not told all of those. We're just told that the baby was joyful at the news. Maybe that was a supernatural thing. I'm not going to get in. I'm just saying we can take what the Bible says for sure. We can guess at the edges. Okay? The Bible says the baby lit for joy. What can we say for sure? The baby's alive and responsive. Okay? The baby is alive and responsive. I think we can definitely take away that. Two, we can take away it's not Elizabeth. It wasn't her body. That's the common phrase today that well that, that growing baby and they'll put some other name to it, fetus that means baby. <laughs> you know they'll put some other scientific sounding uh, zygote or some other name to it, but and say my body, my choice. But the fact is the baby's not Elizabeth. Okay, so that makes it clear those two points. Now, anybody in here like watching uh, crime shows, murder mysteries, CSIs, anything like that? Alright, there's your line. Um, CSI, everybody watches CSI. No, but you know what I'm talking about, right? These shows where something's happened and they collect evidence and they try to figure it out, right? There's different kinds of evidence, right? What's the worst kind of evidence? They'll never hold up in court. Well, that's a little level up, but you're that that's about the same. Yeah, I'll lump that in. Hearsay. Circumstantial, what hearsay. hearsay, hearsay. I heard that somebody said he did it. Whew. I don't know. I just heard it. Well, that ain't counting. That is not going to cut it. Hearsay, hearsay. exactly right. Um, next is circumstantial. Pretty much about the same. You know, we live in the same town. Well, that's just a circumstance. It doesn't have any evidence about what they did or didn't do. Okay, but then you start getting a little more. There's a little better evidence, and that would be. I saw Levi do it right an eyewitness okay and then what did Levi say I didn't do it so that's his word against my all right but you have an eyewitness it's better than all the rest that we talked about so far but it's still not that great but then we get even higher and we say I found Levi's fingerprints on that Snickers wrapper and so he definitely was holding that Snickers wrapper. I was out the trash. A likely story. And then what's the ultimate test of evidence? Well, yeah. What? Chocolate in his teeth. Or part of him in the chocolate scraps. DNA. DNA. We found saliva flips on the little chocolate crumbs that he let get away. I would never let it get away, but he dropped a piece and we analyzed it and we found his DNA confirming that Levi either licked that piece of chocolate or something, right? DNA's the most so, you know, you look at these, the the fingerprints and the DNA, and that's from birth, that's before birth. Anybody know when the fingerprints start? Anybody? 10 weeks of development between 10 and 17 weeks, that little baby's developing fingerprints that are unique from not just his mother, but from anybody else on the planet to the point that people have been tried and convicted of crimes based solely on fingerprint evidence. That's a human being. Even before that, we have the DNA from the very conception. That baby has its own unique DNA different from any other person who has ever lived It's a unique human being. It's a person. There's no other way to explain it. Scientifically, politically you can, but if you're going to follow the science as people ask us to do, that's the science. All right. That's not going to be an abortion sermon. I promise. But um, that's the thing I love about expositional preaching. As we go through, when the Bible presents a topic, we're going to engage with it. You know, there are churches who may want to avoid this topic and don't preach expositionally. They'll just never feel led to preach on this passage. But as we preach expositionally, we have to take them as they come. And I hope we'll always be faithful to do that. If you ever see us um, not taking things as they come, please call us out on that. We want to be faithful to the scriptures on this. Um, But in that vein, as we continue to fight against this Holocaust of abortion, next week is the Sanctity of Life Sunday. Um, when nationally, churches will publicly commit and pray that God would end the practice of abortion um, in our country and in the world. Um, looking a little bit further, uh, February 12th is our week that we have adopted in Charlotte for Love Life. Um, so that's Sunday, February 12th. Um, we'll have a, uh, probably a guest speaker in from Love Life. And then uh, Wednesday that week, we will fast and pray um, during Wednesday to uh, Seeking the Lord's Face. Uh, that he would um, see fit to move and to um, work and to end abortion and then on saturday we'll have our prayer walk that's february 18th we'll have more things on the slides and stuff like that but i just want to mention that while i'm talking about it so those things are, are coming up um, the other thing i want to mention about this verse is it still up there yeah the baby leaped in my womb for joy you know for me this also speaks to the idea of family integration you know there are people who say well little kids can't really understand anything you know I mean, the unborn John the Baptist, you know, was joyful at the news. Now, I'm not saying he had any memory of that. I'm just saying that's what the Bible says. So for me, I don't want to ever say, well, my child's too young to glean anything from hearing the gospel proclaimed, hearing his praises sung to Jesus, seeing people worship God. I don't ever want to assume that that's, that that's not going to be a benefit of the, to them. So, I know it's hard sometimes. My kid's a little bit older, but I still have a handicapped child, so it's hard sometimes. And uh, the kids are doing great today. Um, Appreciate you uh, having some activities for them. It's working out fantastic. the tables are working out well. Uh, What do you think? Thumbs up? Tables working out well? Okay, good. Can you give us feedback on that? Um, But we want them here. That's the point. We want them here. We want them listening and engaging as much as they're able to. And uh, I go back to this for, for reasonings about that. So those are some things about um, the passage on Elizabeth. Um, so I want to move on forward, um, going looking at Mary's response in this encounter. Um, you know, as we mentioned, Mary probably came, you know, conflicted on some level um, with that good news, bad news scenario I talked about. But after you know sharing with Elizabeth and Elizabeth's response, let, let's look at these next few verses, starting in verse forty-six at her response um her response is praising god and it's in a beautiful song they call it now that you'll see these throughout scripture and i don't believe the bible was a musical where people just you know people children so they just broke out in song like some uh you know uh greatest showman or what high school, yeah. high school musical that's your favorite i guess i couldn't think of one john came through for me yeah have you, you seen all three of them yeah okay all right <laughs> um Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're fun. 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 I have to watch them, my kids, but they're fun. Yes, Doc. I believe that I know my
1: first wife, she talked to my daughter in the room a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was used to her. And uh, I think it made a difference in the child's intelligence. And uh, how wonderful it would be if women would start to read.
0: Yeah, I uh, I don't disagree with that at all. Certainly going to be more sanctifying to the mother than sitting there watching uh, Wheel of Fortune or is this one? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Got to answer watch that all the time, but uh, Family Feud. Family Feud. Okay, old Steve Harvey now. Um, yeah, so uh, so sure. Um, but anyway, so we call this a song of Mary. Um, this one is so highly recognized and famous, if you will. It has its own Latin name, the Magnificat. Have you ever heard that word, Magnificat? Okay. It's one of the uh, earliest church hymns that was set to music or to chants, uh, the earliest ones in music. In fact, I just did a quick little YouTube search. You can find a dozen different renditions of this. And uh, a lot of them are really beautiful. I listened to several of them, and I was really blessed by it. Um, but I don't think she broke out in song. I think it's simply um, the sense of her response was in, in beautiful language, kind of poetic language, and it was all around this common theme of praising God. So we're going to dive in and look at this, but this was her response. Um, you know, after into her, her encounter with Elizabeth, Elizabeth, you know, celebrates with her, accepts her, and now Mary's response is, is, is pretty remarkable as we look at it. We see verse 46 My soul magnifies the Lord. She's, she's reminded of the greatness of God. We're going to see that in a few different ways, but her soul magnifies. The what do you think that means? Magnifies the Lord. Highlights. Like. Highlights. Like on. Focuses on. Yeah. Um, who's ever used a microscope? A pretty powerful, a decent microscope. You ever used a college level microscope? A few of us have. Yeah. What's that look like when you look at something? Whole different universe. Whole different universe. Right, you look at that little slide, you're like, man, there's not even a speck on it. Is there, I don't think I got a blank slide. No, like, put it in there. There's nothing on here. Put it in there. Like, whoa. What the What in the world? Is this one of those Kodak uh uh with the disc you know what I'm talking about? What's it called? Yep. Uh, the, view, the viewfinder. The viewfinder. Yeah. Viewfinder, yeah. And the pictures, no, 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 it's actually what you're seeing on the slide, not a trick. You're like, wow, look at that again, and then you look know, at different levels, and then the scanning electron microscopes that are even more powerful. You see like these bug eyes magnified a thousand times, and you're like, I had no idea. I had no idea. In fact, not to get the two of them a rabbit trail, I think I've got a minute. Um, that's really, these high-power microscopes are really a 20th century in- invention, Um, There were very, very rough microscopes before that, basically magnifying glasses, you know, compound magnifying glasses, but really powerful uh, microscopes are really an invention of the the 20th century, 1900s and later. Interesting enough, before that, you know, people didn't realize what they were seeing, and that allowed people like Charles Darwin to look at an amoeba under a magnifying glass and say, oh, that's just a little one-cell organism, that's just like all the other cells around. That's, there's nothing to it. It's just a blob. These little blobs, That we all came from blobs. We're all big bunches of blobs. And that was, I mean, I'm simplifying, but that's basically what he thought. Now, I have never, I don't think, there's been many times when technology has come along and advanced science so dramatically and people still want to hold on to these old ideas. Because now we know that little amoeba is anything but simple. It is as complex and complicated as our bodies with complicated systems that all do different things and work in tandem and without any of those that amoeba wouldn't function. And so when we got these microscopes we realized whoa it's not a blob it's a little me it's an organism with complicated things. I guess we're all still just bunches of blobs though. That was the conclusion that came out of it even though microscopes revealed far more than what they ever could have imagined was in that little blob. I don't know how it happened, but I do know how. Because uh, if you're a created being, then you have a responsibility to your creator. And people don't want to accept that. If you have a responsibility to your creator, then you're going to have a responsibility to learn what that duty and responsibility is. And people don't want to go down that road. Because it leads to a road of submission to God Almighty rather than independence and reliance on themselves. So that's, that's why I think. But, sorry, back to, not really, but uh, this idea of magnifying. It lets us see things in a whole new way. Uh, uh, And I think that's what she's saying here. She's never seen God like this before. Never seen him so good, so great, so gracious. And how does she see him in that way? She rejoices in God's mercy. Verse 47 and, uh, and following He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. she's she's used this phrase for herself a few times I'm a humble servant she's not a queen or a princess for behold from now on all generations will call me blessed he who is mighty has done great things for me holy is his name and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation she rejoices in God's mercy for it extends does it extend infinitely to every person? Is that what she says? Let me read it again. Verse 50. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Does God's mercy extend indiscriminately to everyone infinitely? No. No, It does not. Now is there any limit to the extent of his mercy upon Someone who believes in Jesus. Can anyone have sinned too much to be forgiven? No. So in that sense, his mercy is boundless, but it is contained. It is upon those who fear him. Now, we hear that word fear, and we may or may not understand it in this biblical sense, so I want to talk about it. It's this idea of worship with awe and reverence. So we come before him with a holy respect. I think Hebrews 12, 28 says it best. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Our God is not a, a cloud in the sky that we can wave away. Okay, Our God is a consuming fire. As we, accept, as we come to him in worship we must do so with reference and all recognizing that he's the creator that he is our creator and in, as such we have duties and responsibilities to him to worship him as he has prescribed but that if we if you're here today and you're a believer in jesus you believe that he came that this story about him and his birth it's true that he came and lived that life and then ultimately died and shed his blood for our sins so that we could be reconciled to God. If you believe that, then his mercy extends to you. If you follow him, you know, re- re- repent of your sin, forsake your sin, and commit your life to him to live as he has ex- commanded and expressed, then his mercy extends to you, to those who fear him from generation to generation. Okay? Never ending in that sense. She goes on to declare God's strength. I love these statements. <clears throat> Verse 51. You scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. It brought down the mighty from their thrones. Um, uh, any any of you here like to play tabletop games? Got a few tabletop gamers. Anybody like to play complicated tabletop games with like lots of cards or lots of little pieces? lots of things, okay? You might like to play tabletop games that take a long time to develop. I mean, you might play one game for an hour or two and you're still in the middle of it, right? So imagine one of those complex games that you've got set up, that you've been strategizing and planning for two hours. I remember once in high school, we had a game. It took so long. We had started on Friday night. We played until after midnight. We went to bed, got the next morning, Saturday morning, and started playing it again. I mean, it then played all day Saturday big World War II simulation game. We didn't know the rules, so we had to learn to make it up if we win. But it was so much fun. But we had all this, and all these little units and pieces around the map and everything. It was so big, we had to get up and walk around the table to do everything, and I was sitting about this, thinking you know, what would happen if, if a dog would come in or somebody, a little toddler, had come in, right? Said, oh, what's this? And just pulled up the whole board. Oh my goodness, all the time and energy. Can anybody, can anybody commiserate with me on that? That would have been very, very frustrating. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a game. So, you know, don't put too much weight in it. But that's, that's the, very frustrating. This is kind of the image I get when we're talking about this with God. That he scattered the proud, okay, in the thoughts of their hearts and brought down the mighty from their thrones. People here, you know, are proud and haughty and do these schemes and plans and for their own or for their, you know, kingdoms that they rule or whatever the scope may be. But they don't even think about God. They think, oh, I'm in control. It's all what I can figure out. It's all what I can do. And God comes along and says, no. You forgot about me. You forgot about the force that can't be stopped. Not speaking speak a little toddler, although they can't be stopped. But God Almighty. And all those things that you work for you can be gone in the blink of an eye. Okay? But what's consistent and what's faithful is God's strength. And God will be there where those things come and go. He, she goes on in declaring and talking about God's strength. He's filled the hungry. He sent, sent, The rich are sent away hungry. Now, this is not necessarily a strict condemnation of the rich, but it's the idea that if those rich are relying on their riches for food, they're relying on the wrong thing because our source is not ourselves. Our source is God Almighty. And you can think, well, I've built up these riches, so I don't have to worry about food and shelter and things like that. But God is in control of those things and He was, He can demonstrate that self, He can demonstrate that fact again in a blink of an eye. And what you thought were secure and rich and never going anywhere can be gone. Just ask Sam bankman Freeze if that's not the case. I hope nobody lost it all in Terra Luna. Um, and I know some of us are struggling through Bitcoin, and you know, who knows where it's gonna wind up. But all those things, easy come, easy go is not a common state for statement for no reason. All these things God's, are demonstration of God's strength because as all these things were happening to the rich and the powerful and the proud, he, he fills the hungry. He exalts those of humble estate. <clears throat> He's helped his servant Israel. We see that this is God's consistent pattern that those who boast and rise themselves against God are humbled and those who are humble before God are lifted up. Finally, we see that she celebrates God's faithfulness. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. In this promise of a Messiah, Israel's been waiting on for a long long time, long time. I'm sure some people have begun even to doubt. Is this ever really going to happen? And so Mary's like, no, God is faithful. It didn't happen in our time frame. It didn't happen the way we thought or wished it would but God is faithful and he's demonstrating that in these events of my life. And that's that's the way it is in us. In our own lives we're a testimony to God's faithfulness. Now it doesn't mean we never have anything hard or unpleasant but the fact that we're, we're breathing life today breathing air and have life in our lungs today is a testament to God's goodness and gracious because we've all fallen short. The Bible tells us that the penalty for sin is death. That's what we're all deserving of. So the fact that we're Here today is a testimony to God's faithfulness and his forgiveness. As we look at this exceptionally encouraging encounter, obviously there's no denying the unique circumstances focusing specifically on this pregnancy, uh, this unexpected, unplanned, if you will, pregnancy, the birth of our Savior. There's no denying that, but I do want to highlight two key characteristics of this encounter that hopefully we can um, draw out, apply, and aspire to in our daily lives with every encounter that we have. Um, And that's simply this, to magnify Jesus and to minister to those around us. I think the slide says minister to the saints. Yeah, minister to the saints. And that's true, but on further reflection, I'm sorry I sent these slides before I changed it, but really just finish to those around us. You know, saints are not. Obviously, we have a special responsibility to go into the family of God, and I think we are faithful to do that. But any encounters that we have, you know, an exceptionally encouraging encounter should not be exceptionally rare. It should be exceptionally common. You know, people should know us, Christians. We should be the most encouraging people there are. You know, we should strive to this. We should strive to, in all of our encounters with people, uh, our testimony should be, Man, they love Jesus. Every time around them, they're magnifying Jesus. They're talking about some new aspect of Jesus that they've learned or that I didn't know about. They're always telling, talking about Jesus. Or man, I'm always refreshed when I'm around them. They always minister to me. They always give me something to think about spiritually. And these encounters of this kind, they need to be our, our, what we're known for. You know, so people say, and that's what I pray. People, you know, Come to find that when I'm in our car, with me, he's always talking to Jesus. I'm always so encouraged. That's the kind of people I want to be—salt and light. Okay, not such a you know salty concentration that burns people and turns people away. Okay, and not so bright and scaly lights so you can't even look at it. Okay, but the warmth, light, warm light of a campfire that invites people in. Okay, the salt of a finely seasoned meal that makes you want more creates a thirst. That's the kind of salt and light we need to be. Striving for these types of encounters that we see that Elizabeth and Mary had. And what would it be like if every encounter that we had in the next week, we put these things at the front, at the forefront of our mind. Magnify Jesus and minister to those we come into contact with. Anybody want to strive for that? So let's, let's, let's make that our goal. Let's do that and as, as I mentioned uh, last week I just want to take a quick minute we're going to have good Lord's Supper but I just want to say did anybody have any uh, encounters this past week they'd like to share you know we still have that goal of sharing having gospel conversations with people we had a couple of people sharing last week does anybody have one they want to share about the encounter in of the, of the last week anybody I'm not going to wait long I've already preached too long as it is but I was able to pray with one more
1: patience was about having their first job they're having twins so young
0: Amen what was his name? Isaiah Isaiah what do you just want to lift Isaiah up in prayer? expectant fathers for the first time expecting twins might just want to pray for him right quick? okay, okay. Alexa
1: yeah, it's a new day. I and mean, let just lift you up and thank you for the wonderful blessing and the miracle that you give to us, Lord. And I want to praise the hate for Isaiah and for his family. Um I I when I tell you more for heard with hair is hard. Um expecting a baby is hard and to find out that there can be two of them, especially Lord. So just really good to be pleased, Lord, and that. Um this twins these twins are not really be a blessing because it's fact that they are and that they are here, Lord, but there would also be a chance for him to learn about the Lord and that they would lead him to the cross just through their existence for. Um, so just pray for him and uh, just pray Mr. John to be able to minister to him and to work with him and to just um, light to Isaiah and as he you to get to know him and give um, him along. And um, it's the Lord that you just give him the peace and that you learn to trust.
0: Anybody else? We have time for one more?
1: Uh, Rebecca? I don't want to say any names, um, but um, I was able to pray with a lady. Well, we actually don't want to talk about her. your husband, we you support you. And I was like, no. No. Carl and I argue. We have hard times. We have times we don't like each other very much. I said, the difference in our lives and your lives is we have the Lord. And I said, the Lord is um, is the one that helps us get through those hard times and um, those struggles. Um, and it teaches us to be kind to others and to love others. Um, so she was receptive and she was open. Um, we didn't get to talk for a whole more time but it did open the door and
0: Let me just pray for her right quick. Lord, we just pray for this lady, um, who's invited in Rebecca, that she is uh, uh, throwing in the towel on her marriage, Lord. And uh, so we just pray that through these conversations Rebecca has had and will continue to have, that you would just uh, allow the gospel to, to enter her life, Lord, that she would hear, believe, understand, and be transformed. And in so doing, that you know her marriage, her family could be saved. Lord. Um, we know that you are in the business to do those things, transform lives. And we know that marriage is uh, is honoring to you. And so we just pray for, for this uh, woman and her husband and their um, family. We just pray you can use Becca to, uh, to reach them through the, to share your light and gospel to them. Pray in Jesus' name.